Just about that age Crushing at the world through a lion's cage Telling myself I was the victim Young intuition Always seem to lead that way Every time I look in my eyes All of the things I've always hated in myself come alive I'm looking up, heading down, feeling like I die Book 5 The Predator Chapter 1 My name is Marco. I can't tell you my last name or where I live. Believe me, I wish I could. I would like nothing more than to be able to tell you my name is Marco Jones, or Williams, or Vasquez, or Brown or Anderson, or McCain. Marco McCain. That's kind of a nice sound, doesn't it? But McCain's not my last name. I'm not even going to swear to you that Marco is my first name. See, I'm hoping to live a while longer. I'm not going to make it any easier for the Yerks to find me. I live in a paranoid world. But just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean I don't have enemies. I have real enemies. Enemies that would freeze your blood if only you knew. So see, I'd like to tell you my name, and address, and phone number too. Because if I could do that, it would mean I no longer had any enemies. It would mean my life was normal again. It would mean I could go back to minding my own business. I believe in minding my own business. Which is why what happened on my way home from the 7-Eleven was so dumb. I was walking down the street with some low-fat milk a loaf of bread, and a bag of peanut M&Ms. Since my mom died, I've gotten stuck with a lot of the shopping and stuff for my dad and me. This 7-Eleven isn't in the greatest neighborhood, so I was walking kinda fast, minding my own business, trying not to think about the fact that it was after 10 at night. Then I heard it. Just don't hurt me. Just don't hurt me. It was a man's voice. An old man from the sound of it. It was coming from a dark alley. I hesitated. I stopped. I pressed myself back against the cold brick wall of the building and listened. Just give me the money, old man. Don't make me hurt you, a second voice said. A younger voice. A tough voice. I gave you all of it, the old man cried. Then the punk said something I can't repeat. Basically, he was getting ready to pound the old man. I heard other voices three punks total. It didn't look good for the old man. This totally isn't your problem, Marco, I told myself. Stay out of it. Don't be an idiot. Three punks, each of them probably twice as big as I was. I'm not exactly Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm not even average height for my age, although I make up for it by being incredibly cute, and charming, and witty, and modest. But I was pretty sure the three big gang members in that alley were not going to be very impressed by my cuteness. Fortunately, I have other abilities. It had been a while since I had done this particular morph, but as I concentrated, I could feel it coming back. I slipped into the opening of the alley and hid in the shadow of a very smelly dumpster. The first thing that happened was the fur. It sprouted quickly from my arms and legs and all down my body. Thick, rough, ragged black fur. It grew long on my arms and back and head. It was shorter everywhere else. My jaw bulged forward. I could hear the bones in my jaw grind as they stretched and the non-human DNA changed my body. Morphing doesn't hurt, 
It creeps you out sometimes, but it doesn't hurt. And as morphs go, this one wasn't bad. I mean, I still got to keep all my usual arms and legs and stuff. Not like when I morphed into an osprey. Or a dolphin. I mean, when I was a dolphin, I was breathing through a hole in the back of my neck. With this morph, I had arms as usual. Only, they were a lot bigger. A lot bigger. My legs bent forward. My shoulders grew so massive, it was like having a couple of pigs sitting on my back. I also had an enormous round belly and leathery chest. My face grew a black, bulging, rubbery mask, and my eyes were practically invisible beneath my heavy brow. I had become a gorilla. Now, here's the thing about gorillas. They are the sweetest animals around. If you leave them alone, they will mostly just sit and eat leaves all day. And that's all the gorilla mind really wanted to do right then. Eat some leaves, maybe a nice piece of fruit. But I was in that head too, along with the gorilla's instincts. And I had decided to teach those punks a little lesson. See, now that I was in that gorilla body, I weighed 400 pounds, and I was mighty strong. How strong? Let me put it this way. Compared to our gorilla, a human being is made out of toothpicks. I wasn't just twice as strong as a man, I was maybe four, five, six times stronger. Further down the alley, the punks had lost patience with the old man. Let's just kick his butt, one of the geniuses said. That's when I decided to say hello. To get their attention, I picked up the dumpster and threw it against the far wall of the alley. Yes, a full-sized dumpster. Crash! Boom! What was that? Look, what is that thing? Whoa, that's some kind of... A monkey! Monkey, I thought. Excuse me, monkey? I'll show you monkey. Before they could decide what to do, I charged. Knuckles scraping the dirty ground, small hind legs propelling me forward, I charged. If the punks had any sense, they would have run. They didn't. Get it! One yelled. I grabbed him around his arm, with one massive fist, I lifted him straight off the ground and threw him over my shoulder. Boomf. He landed on the ground behind me. The other two rushed at me, one on the left, one on the right. I saw a knife glittering. The knife slashed my arm. It almost hurt. I yelled in pure gorilla. With my injured arm, I landed a backhanded blow on the knife guy's chest. He flew back. I mean, flew. He hit the wall and dropped. I just grabbed the third guy by the shirt collar and threw him into the dumpster. Don't kill me! He cried as he sailed through the air. I had no intention of killing anyone. I hoisted the knife guy into the dumpster with his friend. He wasn't breathing real well, but I figured he'd survive. Ha, I thought. Who needs Superman when Marco's on the case? While I was telling myself just how cool I was, I heard the sound. It was a click. Two clicks, actually. The sound of an automatic pistol being cocked. I spun around. It was the first guy. The one I'd thrown over my shoulder. He was up on his feet, gun pointed. I was big. I was powerful. But a gun was a whole different story. And loud. Man, are those things loud. Huh, come and get some, monkey man. 
I barreled behind the dumpster. I leaned my massive shoulder into it and sent it rolling and spinning and sliding at the guy with the gun. <sighs> Blump. So much for the guy with the gun. I checked. He was alive. He wasn't happy, but he was alive. The gun was nowhere to be seen. Well, Marco, I thought, that went okay. Now, find some place private, demorph, call 911 to come arrest these guys, and you can still get home in time to watch Letterman. Unfortunately, I had forgotten one thing. Get, get out of here, you, you monster! The old man, the one I had risked my life to save. He was standing, facing me. He was shaking with fear and red in the face. Oh, I thought. So that's where the gun went. The old man was pointing the gun at me. Back, you demon! Don't come any closer! I tore out of the alley with bullets whizzing through the air, which just goes to show you why you should never get involved in other people's problems. Chapter 2 Yeah, so... Then I do the gorilla thing, right? I save the old man. I'm the hero. I'm Spider-Man. I'm Wolverine. I'm Batman. Or at least Gorilla Boy, Rachel interrupted. She did a forward flip as we walked across the springy grass. Rachel's into gymnastics. It's very distracting when someone flips while they're talking to you. It was the day after my big hero act. We were all out in a farm meadow of Cassie's farm. Me, Jake, Cassie, and Rachel, strolling through little bunches of wildflowers. Tobias was flying overhead, about a hundred feet up, in a sky dotted with bright white clouds. And what happens when I'm playing Captain America? I ask. The old man unloads the gun at me. I totally lost the milk in my bag of M&Ms. Jake gave me a disgruntled look. Margo, it was good of you to rescue the old man. But you really shouldn't be turning into a gorilla. Now, as you're reading this, you're probably thinking, Um, Marco, time out. You've left out a few things. Like, how can you turn into a gorilla? Good question. It happened on a dark night when we were all heading home from the mall. There were five of us. Me, you already know. Jake is my best friend, even though, unfortunately, he is kind of a pain sometimes. He's one of those serious type guys. You say the word responsibility, and he snaps to attention. He's the kind of guy who always seems like he's bigger than he actually is. That's because he has this whole, I'm in charge and you can trust me thing going on. He has sensible brown hair, and trustworthy brown eyes, and one of those confident chins. He also has a great sense of humor, and is very smart, and I would trust him with my life, any day, any time. Not that I would ever tell him that. Then there's Cassie. I didn't really know her very well back then, but I think she's kind of Jake's girlfriend now. Of course, no one is supposed to know this. Shh! Big secret! Cassie is the one who is least like me. If I'm comedy, she's poetry. She's a natural peacemaker. She's the one who knows when you're feeling bad and will find something nice to say that makes you feel better. And it's not like she's manipulating. She really cares about things. She's, like, sincere or something. Cassie is our animal expert. Her parents are both vets, and she spends most of her free time helping her dad run the wildlife rehabilitation clinic. It's in the barn at their farm. They save injured woodchucks and deer and eagles and so on. 
Cassie actually knows how to get an injured, angry wolf to take its pills. Not an easy thing, believe me, I was a wolf once. You go out to our barn and you'll see this little short black girl in overalls and boots with her arm halfway down the throat of a wolf that could just bite it right off. And she'll be smiling and acting like it's no big deal. And the wolf will just be standing there looking like he's trying to earn a gold star for being the best little boy in school. Then there's Rachel. Very beautiful. Very leggy blonde supermodel type. Miss Fashion. Miss Properly Applied Makeup. Miss Has It All. Looks and brains. Rachel is Jake's cousin, and a total babe who, unfortunately, is also totally insane. See, somehow, underneath all that perfect hair and perfect teeth, there's this lunatic Amazon warrior queen just fighting to get out. Here's what Rachel will say whenever we decide to do something so dangerous it makes you want to wet yourself. I'm in, let's go, let's do it. I swear that, if she could, Rachel would be wearing a suit of armor and swinging a sword. And it would be a fashionable suit of armor, and she would look great in it. Then there's Tobias. That night in the construction site, he was just this kind of dweeby kid I barely knew. He liked Jake because Jake once kept some guys from beating him up. To be honest with you, I don't even remember what Tobias looked like back then. Now, of course, he looks like a fierce, angry bird of prey. There's a downside to the morphing power we have. A time limit of two hours. Stay more than two hours in a morph, and you stay forever. That's why Tobias was flying overhead, with his wide wings catching the warm updrafts. Tobias is a hawk. A red-tailed hawk, to be exact. I guess he always will be. I tease Tobias sometimes. What happened to him scares me. Anyway, on that night, we were cutting through this big abandoned construction site. It was supposed to be a shopping center, but they got it half-built and then stopped. Then, to make a long story short, there was this spaceship. It was carrying an Andalite who was dying of wounds he had gotten finding the Yerks up in Earth's orbit, or thereabouts. He's the one who told us about the Yerks. The Yerks are parasites. They use the bodies of other species. They take them over. They control them. That's what you call someone who's been taken over. A controller. A human controller. Jake's brother, Tom, is one. A controller. And Melissa, Rachel's friend. Her father is one, too. The Andalites fight the Yerks. They have been trying to stop the secret Yerk invasion of Earth. But basically, they got their butts kicked. Before he died, the Andalite promised us that reinforcements would come. Eventually. In the meantime, all he could do for us was give us a weapon. That weapon was the power to morph. To acquire the DNA of any animal we could touch, and then to become that animal. So that was the deal. The five of us, five regular everyday kids, were supposed to fight the Yerks until the Andalites came along and rescued us. Five kids versus the Yerks. The Yerks who had already conquered the terrifying hork and made them into controllers. The Yerks with their creepy allies, the Taxon controllers. The Yerks who had already infiltrated human society making controllers out of cops and teachers and soldiers and mayors and TV newspeople. They were everywhere. They could be anyone. And all we had was five kids who could turn into birds. Or gorillas. I just don't think we should be morphing out on the streets in order to get involved in everyday crimes, Jake lectured me. Remember what happened at the used car lot with Rachel and Tobias? And you asked them if they were insane. 
I was about to argue when Rachel spoke up again. I think Marco did the right thing, she said. What was he supposed to do? Just walk away? I don't think so. Okay, now I know I was wrong, I said. Anytime Rachel thinks I did the right thing, it has to be wrong. Besides, that was my whole point. I risked my life for that old man, and I didn't even get a thank you. I don't know if it was a good idea, Cassie said. But the feeling behind it was good. I think it was heroic. Well, what could I say to that? It's very hard to disagree with someone who just called you a hero. Jake decided to let it go. Unfortunately, the reason he decided to drop it was that he had something bigger to talk about. He got his serious look. I groaned. I hate that serious look. It always means trouble. Jake, are you going to tell me why we're all out walking in the fields together? Aside from the fact that it's a nice day and all? We're going to go see Axe, Jake explained. Cassie and I have been talking to him the last couple of days. You know, about what he wants to do. Uh-oh, I muttered. I just know I'm not going to like this. Well, probably not. Axe wants to go home, Jake said. Home? Rachel repeated. To the Andalite homeworld, Cassie said. Axe, whose real name is Axemili Escaroth Isthil, is an Andalite. I stopped walking. The others stopped too. Um, excuse me, but isn't the Andalite homeworld kind of far away? Axe says it's about 82 light years, Jake confirmed. Light travels about 186,000 miles per second, I pointed out. Times 60 seconds per minute, times 60 minutes per hour, times 24 hours per day, times 365 days per year. That's one light year. Times 82 years. Rachel laughed. So you have been staying awake in science class, Marco. We tried to figure it out in miles, but none of our calculators would go that high, Jake said. You know, Jake, I could be wrong, but I don't think any major airlines fly to the Andalite homeworld, I said. Uh-huh, he said with a nod. I know. That's why we'll have to steal a Yurk spaceship. There he is, Cassie said. I followed the direction of her gaze. Over toward the line of trees at the edge of the field, I saw him. Axe. The Andalite. From a distance, you'd think he was a small horse or deer. He has four hoofed feet that flash with amazing speed. His upper body looks like a horse's neck and head, except that when he gets close enough, you see that he has two smaller, human-sized arms sticking out. His head is kind of a triangle, with two huge almond-shaped eyes. Those are his main eyes. There are two extra eyes, each stuck atop a sort of stalk. The stalks stick out at the top of his head and move, pointing the extra eyes in all directions. But the thing that really makes you stare is the tail. According to Cassie and Rachel, Axe is cute. I wouldn't know, being a guy. All I know is, when you see that tail, you know right away that Andalites aren't exactly cuddly koala bears or puppies. The Andalite tail resembles a scorpion's tail. It curls up and over, and is armed with a wicked scythe blade. They can strike with those tails faster than your eye can see. I'd seen the first Andalite do it. and the seconds before the evil creature known as Visser III murdered the Andalite prince, he had struck with that tail again and again. 
That memory came back to me as I watched Axe galloping toward us, tail arched and ready. I hope there's no one around, Jake said anxiously. He scanned the area. It was pretty remote. Cassie's house and barn were way out of sight, and there was no reason why anyone would be in this distant field. I looked up and saw Tobias's reddish tail feathers. I gave him a wave. All clear, Tobias called down to us in thought speak. There's some people having a picnic, but that's a couple miles from here. Axe came galloping up. Prince Jake, he said, also in thought speak. Jake groaned. Axe had gotten it into his head that Jake was our leader, which was partly true, and I guess for an Andalite, any leader is some kind of prince. Axe has no mouth. No one has asked him yet how he ate with no mouth. He communicates by thought speech. It's the same way we communicate when we're morphed. For us humans, it only works when we're morphed. For Andalites, it's the normal way to communicate. Hi, Axe, Jake said as the Andalite came to a skidding stop just a few feet from us. How are you doing? I am well, and each of you? I'm fine, Cassie said. Tobias swooped down out of the sky. He braked and landed neatly on the grass. I'm fine too, Axe, I said. Or at least I was until I heard someone say something really stupid. Axe looked uncertain. He swiveled one of his stalk eyes forward to get a better look at me. What stupid thing was said? Someone said we were going to try to steal a Yurk spaceship, I said. He smiled an Andalite smile which is hard to describe, except that it involves his main eyes. You think it will be dangerous? Dangerous? No. Jumping off a ten-story building is dangerous. Sticking your tongue into an electrical socket is dangerous, not to mention painful. But stealing a Yurk ship is beyond dangerous. The higher the danger, the higher the honor, Axe said. Is that not true? I gave Rachel a sidelong look. I think we found your future husband. It may be honorable to try and get a Yurk ship axe, Jake said, but honor isn't our most important goal. The Andalite looked surprised, I think. His main eyes widened and his stalk eyes stretched up to their maximum height. It looked like surprise to me. What else do you fight for, if not honor? Jake shrugged. Look, we're trying to do whatever we can to hurt the Yurks but we're also trying to stay alive. We're all there is. I mean, no one else even knows there is a Yurk invasion. So if something happens to us... He let it hang. I did not mean to offend, Axe said. You are right, of course. You are alone. And if you fail, all is lost. So the question is whether there is something we can do without getting killed, Jake pointed out. Yeah, we're mostly against the idea of getting killed. I added. So how are we supposed to grab a Yurk ship? They're up in orbit. We're down here. It's not like we can call them up and ask them to come down. Yes, we can do that. Axe said. What? We can call them. Right. I can create a Yurk distress beacon. They will send a ship to investigate. You mean like, hello, hello, is this Fisher 3? Could you send a ship down to pick me up? I said. I expected everyone to laugh because the idea was so totally ridiculous. No one laughed. Um, excuse me, I said, trying again. 
Personally, I have had plenty of Visser 3 in my life. I don't need to call him on the phone. It will not involve that... that foul beast, Axe said. That was one thing I liked about Axe. He hated Visser 3. He reminded me of the Andalite Prince, who was Axe's older brother. When either of them said the word Yurk, let alone Visser 3, you could just feel the air vibrating from their anger. It will be a minor matter, Axe said. They will hear a distress beacon and send a bugfighter to investigate. There is always at least one hork and one Taxon aboard each bugfighter, I pointed out. Anytime you start playing with hork it is not a minor thing. Do you fear them? Axe demanded. He stared at me with all four eyes. You better believe I fear them. Fear is unworthy of a warrior. He seemed a little too determined for me. I don't know much about Andalites, but I had a feeling I understood this one, at least a little. See, he was alive, but every other Andalite who had come to Earth, including Axe's brother, the Prince, was dead. So I took a shot. It wasn't fair, maybe, but he had made me mad, acting like I was some kind of coward. How many times have you fought hork or any other controller? I asked him. His stock eyes drooped. He pawed the ground with one hoof. Never, he said. I nodded. I thought so. So let me tell you something, Axe. It's scary. It's so scary that sometimes you wish you could just go ahead and die, because it's easier than dealing with the terror. Well, I thought, as I looked around at my friends. That pretty well killed everyone's happy mood. It was Tobias who broke the silence. If you get a Yurk ship, can you get back to the Andalite homeworld? Axe seemed abashed, but he answered. Yes, I hope so. And if you make it, can you do anything to hurry your people up? To get them back here quicker? I am young, like you. But I am the brother of Prince Alfangor. My people will listen to me. I... I know that they will come either way. But yes, perhaps if I can return and tell them how desperate your situation is. Jake took a deep breath. Okay, time to vote. I groaned. I already knew what it would be. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. Now, if you're noticing that perhaps my voice sounds a little silkier, a little smoother, it's because I bought a new mic. Uh... One that's a little bit more expensive than my last one, so hopefully that will increase my sound quality and make for a better listening experience. Unfortunately, did not arrive in time uh, for these chapters, but moving forward, hopefully you'll uh, appreciate these silky pipes as they take you on an auditory experience. Anyway, if you liked what you heard, you can hear more at audiomorphs.podbean.com. Or Audiomorphs just on iTunes and, you know, wherever, whatever podcast app you use. If you'd like to reach me, you can do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. That's all I have for you this week, so I will see you all next week in this deliciously new, improved audio quality. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. 
Until then, we fight.